This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Brooks Jensen, Anacortes, Washington. Master and Man by Leo Tolstoy. Section 3. The wind was as strong at the entrance to the street as it had been in the open country, and the roadway piled with snow, but in the middle of the hamlet everything seemed warm and quiet and cheerful. A dog came barking out of a yard, while in another yard an old woman came running from somewhere with her head swathed in a handkerchief, but stopped as she was making for the door of the hut and stood for a moment on the threshold to gaze at the new arrivals. From the middle of the village came the sound of girls singing, and altogether there seemed to be less wind and cold and snow here than outside. "'Why, this must be Grishkino,' said Vasily. "'It is,' replied Nikita, and Grishkino it was. It turned out afterwards that they had left the road upon their right, and travelled some eight versts at a tangent to their former direction, though still more or less in the direction of their proper goal. Yet Govyachkina was a full five versts from Grishkino. Halfway up the street, they encountered a tall man walking in the center of the roadway. "'Who are you?' he cried as he stopped. Then, recognizing Vasily, he caught hold of one of the shafts, rested his hands upon it, and climbed to the seat of the sledge. It was a friend of Vasily's named Isai, known as the worst horse-thief in the district. "'Well, and whither is God taking you now?' said Isai, suffusing Nikita with the smell of vodka which he had been drinking. "'We have been trying to get to Govyachkina. "'What a way to take, then! "'You should have gone by Malakova. "'It's no good saying what we should have done when we didn't do it,' retorted Vasily, as he pulled up the cob. "'That's a good animal,' remarked Isai, looking the cob over and passing his hand under the now drooping stump of its stout, knotted tail in his usual horsey manner. "'Are you going to stay the night here?' "'No, my friend. We have further yet to go.' "'You had much better stay. But who is this? Why, if it isn't Nikita Stepanich!' "'Yes, no one else,' replied Nikita. "'But pray—' "'Tell us, brother, how to avoid losing our way again.' "'How to avoid losing your way again? "'Why, turn back and go right along the street, "'and the road is straight in front of you. "'Don't turn to the left, but keep on till you come nearly to a larger village, "'and then to the right.' "'But whereabouts is the turning near that village?' asked Nikita again. "'Is it on the summer or the winter road?' "'The winter.' You will come to a copse there, and exactly opposite the copse there stands a tall, ragged, oaken post. That is where you are to turn off. Accordingly, Vasily turned the cob's head round and drove off down the street again. "'You had better have stayed the night here,' shouted Isai after them. But Vasily shook up the cob and returned no answer. To cover five versts on level road, of which two would run through a forest, seemed an easy enough prospect especially in view of the fact that the snow now seemed to them to have ceased and the wind to have dropped. Passing from the street again, with its roadway trampled hard and showing black here and there with patches of fresh dung, they drove past the yard where the linen was hanging out to dry, 
The white shirt had now partly torn away from the line and was dangling by one frozen sleeve only, and went on until they came to the vine stalks with their quaintly murmuring leaves. Here they were in the open country again, only to discover that the blizzard had in no way abated, but rather, on the contrary, increased. The road was drifted over ahead, and nothing but the posts alongside could keep them from leaving it. These posts, too, were difficult to distinguish, since the wind was head-on. Vasily knit his brows as he bent forward to watch for the posts, but gave the cob more rain than before and trusted to its sagacity. Sure enough, the cob never faltered, but went on turning to the left or the right according to the windings of the road and feeling for it with his hooves, so that despite the fact that the wind kept rising and the snow falling ever thicker and thicker, the posts remained plainly visible on either side. They had been driving like this for about ten minutes, when there suddenly loomed up something black in front of the cob, something which was moving along in a tangled whirl of wind-driven snow. It was a party of fellow travelers whom Brownie had outpaced, and the back of whose sledge he had actually struck into with his forehooves. "'Pull out! Hi! Look out in front of you!' came in a chorus of shouts from this vehicle, and Vasily pulled out accordingly. In the sledge were seated three moujiks and an old woman. Evidently they were guests returning from the village festival. One of the men was lashing the snow-covered flanks of their pony with a dry branch. His two comrades were shouting and gesticulating at one another in the forepart of the sledge, and the old woman, muffled up and white over with snow, was seated motionless at the back. "'Whose men are you?' shouted Vasily. "'Aski,' was all that could be heard in the answer. "'Eh?' "'Aski,' repeated one of the moujiks at the top of his voice, but it was impossible to distinguish precisely what he said. "'Lay on! Don't give way to them!' shouted another to the one belaboring the pony with the branch. "'You are returning from the festival, I suppose?' "'They are gaining! They are gaining! Lay on, Semka! Pull out! You lay on!' The sledges kept bumping against each other, almost interlocking, and then parting again, until finally the moujik's sledge began to be overhauled. Their shaggy, fat-bellied, snow-covered pony, blowing heavily under its low dugas, and evidently frantic, though in vain, to escape from the flagellation of the dry branch, kept shuffling along on its stumpy legs through the deep snow, although at times they almost gave way beneath it. Its muzzle, that apparently of a young animal, with its lower lip projecting like a fish's, the nostrils distended, and the ears laid back in terror, kept level with Nikita's shoulder for a few seconds, and then began to drop behind. "'That's what drink will make men do,' observed Nikita. "'The pony will be ruined by treatment like that. What Asiatic brutes these fellows are!' For several minutes the sobbing of the distressed pony's nostrils could be heard behind them, as well as the drunken shouts of the moujiks. Then the first sound died away, and presently the second also. Nothing whatever was to be heard now, except the whistling of the wind in the traveller's ears, and an occasional faint scrape of the runners over patches which the wind had swept bare. This contest with the rival's sledge had cheered and enlivened Vasily, 
so that he drove the cob with greater assurance than ever, and without watching for the posts at all, leaving matters, in fact, to the cob entirely. Nikita also had nothing to do, so that, as usual with him when thus situated, he fell into a doze in order to make up for arrears of sleep at other times. Suddenly the cob stopped short, almost pitching Nikita forward out of the sledge. "'We have gone wrong again,' said Vasily. "'How do you know?' "'Because there are no posts to be seen. We must have left the road.' "'Well, if we have, I must look for it again,' remarked Nikita abruptly, as he got out and began to trudge about the snow, stepping as lightly as possible on the balls of his splayed-out feet. He kept this up for a long time, now disappearing from view, now reappearing, now vanishing again, and then returned. "'No road there,' he remarked as he mounted the sledge. "'It must be somewhere ahead.' The dusk was now coming on, and although the blizzard had not increased, it had also not lessened. "'If only we could hear those moujiks,' sighed Vasily. "'They won't overtake us now,' replied Nikita, "'for we must have left the road a long way back. "'Perhaps they have done the same,' he added as an afterthought. "'Well, which way now?' inquired Vasily. "'Give the cob his head,' advised Nikita, "'and perhaps he will take us right. "'Here, give me the reins.' Vasily relinquished them, none the less readily, because his hands were half frozen in their warm mittens. Nikita took the reins, but let them lie quite passively in his fingers, endeavoring not to give them the slightest twitch. In fact, he took keen pleasure in thus trying the intelligence of his favorite. Sure enough, after pricking his ears first to the one side and then to the other, the clever animal started to turn round. He can almost speak, cried Nikita. My word, how well he knows what to do. On you go, then. On with you. The wind was now at their backs again, and it seemed warmer. Ah, what a knowing fellow he is, went on Nikita, delighted with his pet. Kirgizhenok is strong enough, of course, but an absolute fool. Whereas this fellow, well, see what he found out with his ears alone. No need of telegraphs for him when he can smell out a road or verst away. And indeed, less than half an hour later, a black object, either a wood or a village, began to loom ahead, while the posts reappeared on their right, placing it beyond doubt that the travelers had hit the road once more. "'If this isn't Grishkino again!' exclaimed Nikita suddenly. And Grishkino it was. On their left showed the barn with the dust blowing from its roof, while further on could be seen the clothesline with its burden of shirts and drawers still fluttering in the wind. Once again they drove up the street and found everything grow suddenly quiet and warm and cheerful. Once again the miry roadway appeared, voices and singing became audible, and the dog barked as before. The dusk, however, was now so far advanced that lights could be seen gleaming in some of the windows. Halfway up the street, Vasily turned the cob's head towards a large hut with a double coping of bricks, and pulled up to the steps. Nikita approached the gleaming, snow-encrusted window, in the light of which the dancing snowflakes glittered brightly, and knocked at the pane with the butt-end of his whip. "'Who is there?' cried a voice in answer to Nikita's summons. "'The Brekhanovs, from Gristi, brother,' replied Nikita, 
Please let us in. Someone could be heard moving away from the window, and in another two minutes the sound of the inner door opening with a wrench. Then the latch of the outer door rattled, and there came out a tall, old, white-bearded moujik, holding the door half-closed behind him to keep the wind from blowing into the hut. He was clad in a fur coat, hastily thrown over a white holiday shirt, while behind him stood a young fellow in a red shirt and tall boots. "'How is it with you, Andreitch?' inquired the old man. "'We have lost our way, my friend,' replied Vasily. "'We tried to get to Goviachkina, but landed here, and we set off again and have just missed the road for the second time.' "'But how came you to go wrong?' asked the old man. "'Here, Petrushka,' and he turned to the young fellow in the red shirt. "'Go and open the yard gates.' "'Certainly,' responded the youngster cheerfully, and ran forward out of the porch. "'No, no, we must not stop the night,' interposed Vasily. "'But where can you be going now? It's nearly dark. You had much better stay here.' "'I should have been only too glad to do so, but I simply cannot. Business, you see, my friend.' and business won't wait. Then at least come in and warm yourselves with some tea, said the old man. Yes, we might do that, replied Vasily. The night won't grow any darker than it is now, for the moon will soon be rising. Shall we go in and warm ourselves, Nikita? Yes, I could do with something to warm me, replied Nikita, who was desperately cold, and only too eager to thaw his frozen limbs before a stove. Vasily thereupon entered the hut with the old man, while Nikita drove the sledge through the yard gates, duly opened for him by Petrushka. Under the latter's guidance, he then led the cob under the roof of a shed. The shed was heaped high with dung, so that the cob's lofty dugaw caught upon a beam, whereupon the cock and the hens which were roosting there were moved to uneasy flutterings and scratchings of their claws, some sheep darted away in terror, with much pattering of their hooves over the frozen dung, and a dog whined loudly, then growled in angry alarm, and finally barked at the intruder in puppy fashion. Nikita had a word for them all. He begged the hen's pardon, and quieted them by saying that he would not disturb them further, chided the sheep for their unreasoning nervousness, and never ceased to make overtures to the dog as he tied up his steed. "'We shall be all right now,' he said as he beat the snow from his clothes. "'Hush, then, how he growls,' he added to the dog. "'It's all right now. Quiet, then, stupid. Be quiet. "'You are only disturbing yourself for nothing. We are not thieves.' "'They are what we might call our three domestic counsellors,' remarked Petrushka, "'as he drew the sledge under the shed with his powerful hands. "'Why counsellors?' asked Nikita. "'Because,' said Petrushka with a smile, you will find it written in Paulson's book, When a thief is sneaking up to a house, the dog barks out in his own language, Wake up! The cock sings out, Get up! And the cat starts washing herself, meaning thereby to say, A guest is at hand, so let us be ready to receive him. Petrushka, it seemed, was of a literary turn, and knew by heart the only book which he possessed, some book or other by Paulson. He was particularly fond of it, when he had had a little to drink, as now, and would quote such extracts from it as might seem to him to fit the occasion. "'That is just right,' observed Nikita. "'Yes, isn't it?' answered Petrushka. "'But you are simply frozen. Shall I take you into tea now, my boy?' 
"'Yes, by all means,' replied Nikita, and they crossed the yard to the hut door. This ends Section 3.